Welcome to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. What exactly is gospel-centered worship? And do we really need to spend lots of money to find out? With their usual clarity and wit, the spin team takes some popular people head-on. At the end of the podcast, we'll tell you how to download a free MP3 from the Alliance. Well, today we want to talk about a topic that should be of, of interest to all Christians out there. We've noticed recently that over at the Gospel Coalition, they've started a what looks like a little campaign relative to what they call gospel-centered worship. It's predicated on the idea that apparently there are very few churches out there engaging in gospel-centered worship, which, uh, if if true as an allegation, of course, would be a, a breathtakingly horrific kind of situation to exist in. So today as a team, we're wanting to reflect upon this notion, gospel-centered worship, ask the question, you know, is it true that for over 2,000 years now, the, the church has has, uh, has, has not been worshipping God in a gospel-centered way, and that therefore we do need to be very, very grateful that there are a bunch of uh, middle-aged guys from the northeast of America who finally stepped into the breach to, to correct this massive lacuna within Christ's God's church after you know, nearly two millennia of, of disastrous attempts of poking and pointing in the wrong direction. So, team, what do you think? Uh, Gospel-centered worship, great innovation. Are we looking at the Second Reformation here? Or is this somewhat overblown? Yeah, yeah. Finally, someone gets it. You know, finally, someone is going to help us to make sure that our our worship has a a gospel trajectory uh, to it. Yeah, as the three of us talked, we were all kind of puzzled um, by that. Uh, because the fact is, um, the church for a couple thousand years now has been seeking to make sure its public worship um, has a has has a gospel trajectory or a gospel shape to it. So I was quite puzzled by the "We're here to help you uh, right. make sure your worship is quote gospel centered." I was expecting when I was um, looking at their s- summary of what they are offering for that. I was expecting them to get into the elements of worship or liturgy or, I mean, they asked this question, what's shaping your church? Well, immediately I thought, well, God working through how he has promised, through word and sacrament. And um, so, you know, it leads to, you know, what are the means and instruments for spiritual growth? So I'm thinking again, word and sacrament. But instead, I read about... um, Gospel-shaped churches are characterized by five dynamics. Empowered corporate worship, evangelistic effectiveness, counter-cultural community, the integration of faith and work, and the doing of justice and mercy. Uh, wow. So I thought, well, you know, these are implications of the gospel, sure. for sure. And, um, you know, using this word gospel-shaped, which I think is... A new, a new buzzword. I like to use the word shaped a lot too, actually, but I just wondered, um, <laughs> why are we starting with, with the implications and why wouldn't we start with the elements of actual worship? Yeah. worship? And there's been yeah. wonderful stuff written about that. 
And yeah, even when you look at the fifth point there, doing of justice and mercy, something that not all Christians agree on. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, is there a, a, a biblical view of justice in terms of detailed social policy? Right. in right. any community in which a church finds itself. That's a highly subjective fifth right. point. Even if one were to include it in Christian worship, I think you're, well, you're, you're sneaking something in under the radar there that right. is really highly contentious. Mm-hmm. And, and I, don't, I don't understand what empowered worship is. I don't, I don't understand what, what a lot of this is. <laughs> I mean, I honestly don't know what empowered worship is. Now, I mean, I don't know. A, I don't have a biblical category for empowered worship. It seems like a loaded term. Again, highly subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't. I don't know what that means. And 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 to to the point of innovation here. I mean, didn't didn't the Protestant Church kind of settle on some of these issues around 500 years ago or so? Right. I mean, right. you think about the historic liturgies that came out of the Protestant Reformation. Uh, Luther worked very hard to develop. Um, a, a liturgy for public worship that would be reflective of gospel realities. Uh, Calvin did the same thing. You, you can still find uh, the, the liturgies that those men and some of those men associated with him uh, developed, and they're beautiful things. Um, I, I, I don't know why that needs reinvention or, or if we need to, to move on as if that work wasn't already carefully done by better men already. Well, yeah, and these, these five dynamics of you know, gospel-shaped churches, they seem to um, imply that, that we become the actors instead of God mm. in worship. Yeah, we and, do church, whereas right. church is actually an act of God's grace. Yeah. Right. Um, it seems to me to be a concatenation of cliches, yes. uh, to, be, to, be, to be fair, <laughs> or to yeah. be unfair, perhaps, as uh, <laughs> people criticize will think. But, you know, empowerment, gospel-centered, mercy justice sadly these have become cliches in the way that they're used i think we have a we have a generation of people whose spiritual gift seems to be the ability to state the blindingly obvious or the utterly meaningless in a way that makes it sound like a profound insight that nobody else has ever had and you know it's no wonder that guys like myself come across as curmudgeons because we really think you know they did this better 500 years ago. They did this better 1,000 years ago. I'd rather read those guys right. than these guys. At least those guys didn't think and speak in cliches. Right. Uh, at least when they said something, it actually meant something rather than just sounding cool. That, that exact point is one of my fears about the term gospel-centered. Again, I'm thankful for that term. I'm thankful that 15 years ago or so, um, guys were saying, hey, listen, we seem to be neglecting the gospel here and a lot of what we're doing in church. I'm really grateful for that. Um, but it seems to have become a cliche that it's just kind of said. And you can take anything, whether it is baking cupcakes or crafting a, a, a worship service and say gospel-centered, as if something really deep has just happened. And I'm mm-hmm. concerned that what's going to happen then is the gospel itself is going to lose some of its punch in our vocabulary because it's become a cliche. Well, let me ask Amy then. You know, it's very easy for us to sit here and take pot shots at, at uh, people who are doing this stuff. I, mean, I suppose on one level, we'd want to acknowledge that it sounds horribly patronizing. It is horribly patronizing. Their hearts are in the right place. They're wanting to do something good for the church. It, it, it behooves us not simply to be critical, but also to offer 
uh, a positive alternative. Amy, what if, if I were to say to you, okay, Amy, produce me a 12 DVD course that we can sell at great expense to, to boost our coffers <laughs> on, on worship. What would you put onto those DVDs? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> would it take 12 DVDs? That's the first question. I mean, That's a good question. I mean, I really think that um, we just, and to, and maybe another overused word, but we need to just stick to the ordinary means of grace that God has promised mm-hmm. to work in a powerful way through His Holy Spirit. And, you know, that's empowered corporate worship to me. Right. And so it would be very, if I were to, you know, write about it, which I'm no expert in this area, so I shouldn't, but um, I would say that it would be very um, focused on what my, how my denomination worships because, um, you know, isn't the worship service a major reason why mm. we have the separation in denominations? Absolutely. So when you have a coalition trying to resolve this gospel-shaped worship thing, I do think it becomes very focused on man then yeah. instead of um, God acting in worship. Yeah. Yeah, Can you remind point. the listeners of which your denomination is, actually? I'm, I'm OPC. <laughs> yes! Well, as, yes. As someone who's still gladly PCA, I, I, oh, that, that's, a, that's oh. a hugely important point, Amy, because um, how do you produce material for, quote, gospel-centered worship and not take a position on the sacraments, right. on, on baptism mm-hmm. and the Lord's Supper, which are in some way, you know, they're the visible word preached, but we can't say anything specific about it because we're a parachurch organization that doesn't take a position on baptism and the Lord's Supper. How do you do that? Yeah, and it's kind of boring to, you know, to write about invocation and greeting and, mm-hmm. you know, the reading of the law. But then, right. you know, that's what the elements of worship are, you know, going right. through this liturgy of what, what, what a church does during worship. It's, right. it's not, it doesn't sound as good as countercultural community, but we, you know, <laughs> we do know that God is calling all types of people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we might say, you know, the ordinary means of grace is a cliche, but it's a cliche you can believe in because it's a cliche <laughs> that means it. Right. Right. You know, like God speaks to his people through the reading and the preaching of his word. Mm-hmm. He delights to hear the singing of his people. Uh, the minister is to lead the people into God's presence through prayer. The sacraments seal on our hearts the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. What more do you need? You know, right. that, that, that is the gospel. You read the services in the Book of Common Prayer. You look at Knox's liturgy. Look at Calvin's liturgy. Read Luther's liturgy that took him five years to produce, Mm. partly because he wanted to get the music so right. (laughs) You read these great liturgies, and frankly, so much of what goes on today is thin gruel. It is not well thought out. It is not put together by the greatest theological and ecclesiastical minds of the generation. So why squander the inheritance of the past? for the mess of pottage that we're offered in the present. Um, I find it depressing, actually, that this is where Reformed evangelicalism is is heading, Mm -hmm. that that we do seem to be abandoning the greats of the past. Yeah, yeah. Not that we should live in the past. We need to be speaking to our day and generation. But the basic elements of worship were very, very clearly and carefully hammered out for us, as Mm -hmm. Todd said, 500 years ago. And and I would I would highly recommend the late Robert Rayburn's book, Oh Come Let Us Worship. Um Robert Rayburn was uh, the first 
president of uh, Covenant Theological Seminary, um, and he, he wrote this wonderful book, and, it, and it's doing just exactly what you said, Carl. It is commending to a new generation those, uh, th- those liturgies that men like Calvin and Luther labored over, and he's introducing that to a new audience. The book came out in 1980. It's not brand new. It came out in 1980, and all he does is go through the historic Protestant Reformed um, uh, struggle to come up with a biblically faithful dare I say, gospel-centered liturgy. Read Rayburn's book if, if you want yeah. a, a more contemporary um, advocate for, yeah. for, for, for the great traditions that, that, were, that were won over in the, uh, in the Protestant Reformation. Worship for those who aren't struggling with attention deficit disorder. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, thoughtful and carefully laid out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's, there's empowered worship for you. Yeah. Worship that, that, that embraces those ordinary but powerful means that the Lord has graciously given his church. It's not sexy, but that's empowering. Well, and another word they use or phrase they use is they don't see a broad movement of gospel-shaped churches. And so, I don't know. What does that mean? Yeah, I mean, a movement, uh, I don't know if they mean, you know, cross-denominationally or or people talking about gospel-shaped worship. Well, I mean, e- even Michael Horton has written a, a more popular-level book, maybe, and more recent than one you mentioned, called A Better Way. A Better I Way. Remember reading terrific that. Book. that was a, a great yeah. book. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, again, the, the, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not surprised that a parachurch organization um, says, hey, there's no movement, so buy our stuff. The, the, the Why fact does it is, have to be a movement? I don't, I don't you know, understand. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I gather with um, uh, the members of my presbytery every several months, and I can tell you those men labor every day faithfully to, um, to, to, to embody the implications of the gospel before their people and to lead their church well. I, you know, you want to call that a movement? I don't know. I just see a, a group of faithful men that I meet with every it's few months. It's a continuation. Doing that. Right. Well, I think we fixed it. I think we did. Once again, <laughs> the world is a better, safer place thanks to the modification of spin <laughs> Um Wow. Well, so so you heard it here first from the mortification of spin team. Uh, we we love uh, for worship to be empowered and to be reflective of of gospel realities. We just think that it's not something that's just been discovered. And that um, not only the scriptures, but our own history as Protestant people have a rich uh, give us a rich heritage to uh, to draw from. Keep rediscovering that which has already been given to us. So uh, we're really glad that uh, you've taken the time to listen to Mortification of Spin. Please visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, and you can access our podcast. You can access the blog, read about things that are going on, as well as see some things that we recommend, some helpful links, and I hope that'll be helpful for you. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. The Alliance is a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen 
who hold the historical creeds and confessions of the Reformed faith, and who proclaim biblical doctrine in order to foster a Reformed awakening in today's church. Make sure to visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, to download Reformed Worship Mistakes to Avoid by Terry Johnson. Next time the Spinners celebrate their 100th episode, they've got a special program for you. You won't want to miss it. Again, as we were reflecting on the first 100 episodes, three themes emerged as things that we perhaps have, have focused on. One of them is ecclesiology and authority. Another one was uh, the issue of women and, and abuse. And the third one was Christian celebrity and the use of humor. There is also the, uh, the inability of you guys to actually pronounce the English language correctly mm. that has come through rather dramatically uh, over these 100 episodes. Um, Again, thanks for listening. And don't forget to visit mortificationofspin.org to download your free MP3. coming years because the cultural <clears throat> pressure on this issue is so great yes and sorry my dog my wife's just come home we have to start that again <laughs> give the dog a couple of minutes to settle down <laughs> but isn't this a casual conversation it's all right <laughs> it is it is my dog joining in the background hey katrina could you could you quiet the dog down he's just joined the uh, podcast <laughs>